So we're in a series right now um, called More. And here's the idea, is that there's something more to our lives. There's something that we were created for. There's something inside of us that goes, I was created for something more. There's something that when we go after what the world is going after, when we go after all the things that we think we're supposed to go after, there's still something inside of us that says there's something more that we're supposed to be doing. And really what we're doing this series is we're looking on the way that God has created us for something more. Uh, We're looking at the way God has crafted us and created us. I mean, if you were here last week, you heard Chrissy talked about how we were created to run. God, we're part of a story that God already started, and he wants us to run alongside of him. And tonight we're going to be talking about something, and I'm going to talk about in the beginning a little bit about how it's misunderstood. But it's something that's misunderstood many times, and that's spiritual gifts. Um, Spiritual giftings tend to be misunderstood many times because you have people go from one side to another, but it's something that's very important. But it is something that's been misunderstood since it started uh, back when, uh, in Paul's days. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, it says this, says, now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your questions about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand these. And so Paul literally went on and said, I want you to understand what these look like, what these should be. But this is something that just because it seems a little bit mystical, Just because it seems a little bit tough to understand, it's not something that we shouldn't go after. Uh, Romans 12, 6 says it this way. He says, in his grace, God has given us gifts for doing certain things. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. See, God has given every one of us gifts to go after. And what happens many times is you've seen churches go one way or the other. You've seen churches take giftings and put them on a hierarchy, uh, go to a level that it's not supposed to. Then you've had the other side of where they go to, the gifts are dead, the Holy Spirit is not working. And the question that I always get is, uh, is this question when people find out that I go to Grace Family Church. They ask this question, they go, are you charismatic? And that word has many different meanings. If you didn't grow up in church, you're like, what does that mean? If you grew up in church and you were on like on the Baptist side, you're like, charismatic is weird. If you grew up on the charismatic side, it's like Baptist is weird. Here's what charismatic actually means. It comes from the word called charis, which means gifting. Here's what charismatic means. It means that we believe God's given us a gift. And that's absolutely true. But sometimes it goes to the other side. I've heard people go, oh, wait, so you believe that? So do you believe like in the whole snakes thing? I don't know if you guys know this, but there's people out there that believe that if you can hold a snake uh, and it doesn't bite you that's venomous, it means that you're really with God. And so if you watch the news every once in a while, you see this pastor getting bitten by a snake. And I go, well, there you go. Uh, or, or this is one that's more, more aptable. Some of you have been in churches before that say if you don't speak in tongues, that means you're not really a Christian. And that's not true either. In fact, at Grace Family Church, you'll find many of us on staff, some can, some can't. I cannot. I've tried to. It's been one of those things. I'll just be honest with you. It's been one of those things because there's this feeling like, oh, I don't have that ability. I'm not. And I've had somebody say, oh, I'm, you're just kind of JV Christian. You're not really there yet. Pastor Matt, one of our lead pastors, doesn't speak in tongues, but Pastor Craig and many others do. But it's not something that's supposed to be used as some sort of hierarchy. It's not something that you look at and you go, oh, well, if you can do that, you're something better. And actually, Paul says, I speak in tongues more than anybody else, but I wish I had a gift of prophecy. So you see these things that are talked about. And what really happens is because of all the chaos, which I think is very purposeful, I think this is something that Satan wants, because of all the chaos, because of all the misunderstanding, we tend to step away from it because we can't understand it. But it's something that's very important to get. It's something that's a part of our lives. It's something that's a part of being a Christian is God has given us a gifting very purposefully for us to do it. I grew up in a church that didn't believe in a lot of spiritual gifts. We said that those were dead because people used them the wrong way. We assumed that they were dead, and that's not true either. Now, when I'm talking about spiritual gifts, this is not 
like your intellect or your athleticism. This is not a gift that you have grown up with. This is something that God has given you purposefully to, to bring his purpose to fulfillment. It's something that he's given you so that you can help understand him, so that you can work in the church, and so that you can bring people into the church. It's usually something that it's easy for you. It's usually something that you're drawn to. It's usually something in the world that you see that you go, something ought to be done about that. Somebody ought to help that person. It's, it's an area many times where you are passionate about it. I mean, really, the easiest way to find out where you're gifted in is how do you see certain situations? If you see someone who is homeless, what are you feeling? If you see somebody that is disconnected, what are you feeling? If you see a group of teenagers that don't know what they're going to do with their lives, how do you feel? When you see somebody in pain, how do you feel? How do you react? And really what we can do is when we look at those things, we can decide what our giftings are. I think one of the other reasons we stay away from our giftings is because we've gotten to the point where we've gone, well, those are really just for certain people. Almost like a hierarchy. And you see a lot of people say this, oh, the people that are gifted, those are the pastors. Like the pastors are up here and everybody else is down here. And that's not true at all. In fact, we, we get that, though, from earlier in the Old Testament. See, in the Old Testament, it was very different. Before Jesus came, it was only the priest that could get in front of God. And I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't want to be a priest back then. So I'll explain to you what happened. Basically, there was what's called the Holy of Holies, and it was separated, and only a priest could go back there. And he had to go through this entire cleansing ritual in order to go back there, because to be in the presence of God. Now, what they would do, and this is the part that freaks me out, is they would wrap a rope around his stomach. Because if he had not cleansed himself the right way and asked for forgiveness in the right way, when he went in front of God, he would die and they'd have to pull him out. Like if they ever went like, how it's your turn? I think I would like walk up, hit my toe against something and say a bad word and they go, I guess I can't go in. Somebody else. Like, that's, but that, you see that. And so you do. Priests were, there was a hierarchy there. Now what happened when Jesus died, it actually says in the Bible, when Jesus died, the veil was ripped. The Holy of Holies was open, and the idea was at that point, everyone had the same access to God. Everyone did. But as humans, we, we have this way of creating hierarchies, and we brought it back, and we brought back this idea, and you see people creating hierarchies and saying pastors are higher than others. We went through a period where we had the Reformation, and people were like, no, everyone. It's called the priesthood of the believers. Everyone has access to God in the same way. Everybody has these gifts and these talents, but we keep going back to it. And I believe many times the reason we go back to it is very easy. It's very easy because if I believe somebody is better at me than that, then I don't have to care about it. If I believe somebody can pray at a higher level, then I don't need to go pray for this person. If I believe someone can care for someone at a higher level, then I don't have to go care for that person. And, and what I've seen, it's, it's crazy being a pastor. Uh, it, it's weird when people look at you like you have some special talent. Um, I remember I would go, every time I go to Thanksgiving dinner at my, at my wife's family's house, they always look to me to pray. Like, it's time for prayer. And I immediately look down. I'm like, just pick somebody else. Like, it's not special, I promise. But, like, I, I remember one time I, I played in an intramurals uh, in Tampa Rec League, and some guy came up, and he, he had never asked me before. He's like, hey, you're a pastor, right? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, can you pray for us? I'm like, why? He goes, they're praying over there, but I figure if we had a pastor pray, it's better. <laughs> I'm like, I'm pretty sure my shot's not going to go in better, but we should try it. We should try it. Maybe it will happen. But I, what's crazy, we, we've even had somebody, I've had somebody come up to me and say that they were leaving the church. And I said, why? They're like, well, I was in the hospital, and I asked Pastor Craig to come visit me and pray over me, and he didn't come. I'm like, oh, wow, what happened? And she goes, well, I told the church that this was going on. I'm like, no one came and visited you? She goes, no, three different pastors came and visited me and prayed for me, but I wanted Pastor Craig. It's like, 
this idea that there's some sort of hierarchy in that. I mean, I was even playing basketball outside one time with a group of guys, and literally a storm came in. They all looked at me. My guys, <clears throat> if I could control the weather, I wouldn't be here. I'd be an X-Men or something like that. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be playing basketball. Like, there's, there's better things for me. But there is. There's this idea. And whether we like it or not, we do. We start to form these things, and we do. We put people on hierarchies. And I think many times the reason we do it is because it keeps us from having to take responsibility for being, doing something about it. See, actually, pastors, our one job is very simple. It says in the Bible, as a pastor, the one thing we're supposed to do is to equip you guys to do the work of God. That's our job. Our job is to equip you, to help you understand what you're gifted at, what you should be doing, how you can do it, and do it for God. It's not that we are anything special. It's that we just have a specific gifting to help you find that. In 1 Peter 2.9, it says this. It says, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He says this. He goes, you are a royal priest. So everyone who is a Christian is a priest, is a pastor, is somebody that's been, it's that priesthood of the believers, the idea that everyone is on the same level. There's no longer this, this hierarchy that happens. God says if you're a Christian, you have the same jobs, you have the same expectations of people that are in ministry. All of us are in ministry. We just have a different way of doing it. So what is a spiritual gift? It is a supernatural ability that God gives his children so that they can advance his purposes in his world. This is the way God does things in the church. Now, here, here's the problem that happens many times is uh, they've done surveys and they found out that about 87% of people that go to church have never found out what their gifting is. 87%. Only 13% actually know what their gifting is and they're going after it. And you, you see in the Bible, this, this word picture is the idea that the church is the body of Christ. Imagine if 87% of anybody's body did not do what it was supposed to do. What would it do? How would it react? I mean, imagine going in. It's kind of like this idea of a bodybuilder going into the gym and just working out his neck. Like, it would be weird. It's like we do know the guys that just work out their arms, but just working out their neck. Like, hey, nice neck. It's just it's like, but here, here's, what I, here's what I think it is. I, I've been thinking about this. I'm like, what would it look like if a body, if 13% was doing what God wanted to do at 87% wouldn't? I think it looked like this. I think it looked like a head that was speaking about what, who God is and what Christians should be doing with arms and legs that are doing nothing. And I think that's what we see in the church today. I think that's what the world sees in the church. A lot of talking, a lot of saying what we should be, but no actual action. See, that, that's what happens. That's the problem that happens when we separate ourselves from what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be the hands and feet of Christ. We're supposed to be the ones going out and doing these things. So we should be looking for our spiritual what our gifting is. In 1 Corinthians 14, 1, it says this, says, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities that the Spirit gives. We gotta take time to discover what our gifting is, what we should be doing, the things that actually brings true fulfillment in our lives. And here's what's great, is our spiritual gifting, there's, there's a way that we can find it easily. There's a way that we can start to be going towards it easily, and that's by looking at who we are. And Psalm 139, 13, 16 says this. It says, you are all, you were made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Get this part. 
You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. There's actually another verse after that that says, you knew what I was going to do before I was even born. Here's, here's the idea. Knowing that God knew what we were going to do before we were even born means that he created us for that purpose. So if you want to know what you're supposed to do, the easiest way to find out is look at the way God created you. See, God made you how the way God made you will point to what you're supposed to do. I, I heard a pastor say it this, this way. Your design reveals your destiny. How you're made re- reveals your destiny. You were made on purpose for a purpose. So if you're really trying to figure out what it is I'm supposed to do, you have to look at how you were made, how God put you together, the giftings, the talents, your past, the people around you, all these things, you put them together, you explore this to find out where your passion is and where God wants to use you. The more you understand how God made us, the more we understand what our purpose should be. See, I heard a pastor kind of say it this way, give, give an idea of what the giftings would look like. And it's this idea that somebody's walking up to a table with a bunch of other Christians and they drop their plate. They drop their plate on the floor and the person with the gift of mercy will immediately go, hey, how are you doing? Are you doing all right? I know you just dropped that plate. Are you, are you fine? Do we need to talk? The, the preacher would go, well, that's what happens when you have too much food on your plate. The teacher would go, well, here's the deal. Um, see, you had the, the plate disproportionate. You had the salad on one side, which I'm not sure why you had. And then you had the meat on the other side. You were holding it in the middle, but you should have been holding it towards the meat. The server, the person with the gift of serving would immediately help get down and help them pick it up. The person with the gift of encouragement would just look at him and go, that's okay. There's a champion inside of you. <laughs> the person with the gift of giving would say, here, have my plate. The person with the gift of administration would tell everybody what to do in order for that to happen. See, it's a kind of a funny way of looking at it, but I like looking at it this way. As, as someone who is hurting, someone who has just gone through something tough walking into the church. Somebody with a gift of mercy sitting down with them asking, what's going on, how are you feeling, and just listening to what they're going through. The preacher and the teacher come together to go, hey, I see what happened. I see how you got there. This is what happened. These are the steps you can get to get out of this hole. Uh, the person with the gift of serving sees them and goes, you know what, until they can really hear about Jesus, they have a need that needs to be taken care of. Person with the gift of encouragement tells them what God sees in them at that moment. Person with the gift of administration makes everybody do that. (laughs) But here's the idea. That's what the church is supposed to look like. Imagine what it would be like if every person walking into church saw those gifts in action, had that love, had that care. See, God created, it wasn't like by mistake. God's not like, ah, let's just throw these gifts out here. God's like, this is, imagine what would happen if all these gifts worked together to care and love for not just the church, but people outside the church and bringing them in. See, each gift causes you to see the world differently. Each gift causes you to see needs differently, and that's good. And that's something that we ought to do. Just because you don't see the world as everyone else sees it is not a bad thing. Just because you don't see that, sort of same, that person the same way somebody else does doesn't, is not a bad thing. It just means you see a different need. You see a different way of going after it. And really, that's the way the world changes. That's the way that a community changes. It doesn't base, change based on incredible teaching. It doesn't change based on incredible band. Really, a community changes when a group of people decide we're going to be the church. We're going to do what God has called us to do. And so we've got to find out what our gifting is, and then we need to embrace our gift. Let me say it this way. We tend to covet other people's gifts. We do. 
Uh, we tend to look at other people's giftings and wish we had that. We see people that maybe can speak, and we go, man, I wish I could get up on stage. We see people that could sing. We're like, man, I wish that I could sing. I do. I see people with the gift of encouragement. I'm like, why can't I say nice things like everybody else can? Like, how did they come up with that? Like, my first reaction is to make fun of them. Your first reaction is to help them. But we do. We covet. And we do. And we look at other people's gifts, and we try to do the same things that they're doing, go after the same thing. Guys, understand this. You will never find fulfillment in somebody else's purpose. You will never find fulfillment chasing somebody else's giftings. You will only find fulfillment in what God has called you to do. So we look for it. We embrace it. Romans 12 and 3 to 6 says it this way. He says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Do not think you are better than you really are. He's basically saying, don't have an improper view of your gifting or yourself. He says, be honest in your evaluation of others, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, I speak out with as much faith as God has given you. He's saying here, he says, don't have an improper view. Don't look at yourself in the wrong way. Don't allow either pride or hurt to change the way you look at yourself. Don't allow pride to cause you to believe you're better than you really are. Don't allow hurt to make you look at yourself like you're not enough. That's why it's on both sides. It's an improper view. We've got to have what the Bible actually refers to as a sober view of who we are. And the way we do that is through faith. It's through faith. It says, through faith we should have this. And faith is really the assurance that God has the right view of you. Because really, the only person who really knows you is God. The only person that can tell you who you are is God. We have to constantly look at ourselves. We have to constantly look at what God says about us. It starts with a relationship with God, and it moves towards finding out how he made us. Because once we discover ourselves, once we discover how God made us, we then must use our gifts in the way that God has given it to us. Because let me say this as a pastor, this, and you've heard this before, and sometimes it just doesn't ring true, but this life is short. This life is short, and this is what happens so many times, is people go, man, you know what, I, I, would, I would do that. I'd start looking at my gifts today, but man, you know what, I, I got all these things going on, I'll do it at another time. And we keep putting it off and putting off. And really, you guys know this, if there's anything in your life you really want to do, there's always an excuse not to. Like, I woke up yesterday morning. We had just gotten our family past the YMCA. Monday morning, I was like, man, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to start working out. I felt sick. I'm like, next Monday. Next Monday. Can't start on a Tuesday. Can't, it just it throws off leg day. And so, but it's true. Guys, think about it. Every time you've ever wanted to do something big for God, there's always an excuse not to. Always an excuse. There's always going to be something that, that comes away. There's always going to be something that moves us. And so what I'm supposed to do, one of my jobs as a pastor is to help prepare you going, hey, this is what you're supposed to do because the end is really not that far away. Every day we have is a blessing. And really when we come before God, there's two questions that are going to be asked. The first one is, what did you believe about my son, Jesus? And that determines where we go. The second one is, what did you do with the giftings that I gave you? And that determines our reward. See, it's important. He's given us these gifts, and he goes, I'm going to check up on what you did with them. I'm going to find out what you did with them. And it's, it's only through using those giftings that we find true joy when we try, find true fulfillment in what God has done with us. We've got to discover those things. And one of the first ways that you can do that is through questions, is through surveys. So if you could put up that last slide there, Jamal. Um, so my dad has a website, not me. 
Uh, it's howmare.com, but he has a website on leadership and backslash free stuff. And on there, he has a bunch of different surveys. He has a spiritual gift survey. He has a DISC, which is a personality type, and also Myers-Briggs. Um, and then another one, uh, I've really started to enjoy the Enneagram right now. It's explained me way better than any of the other ones. And knowyourtype.com has the free survey and then Enneagram Institute you can go to. Here's why I, I like these is because it takes steps towards understanding who you are. Here's the reason I don't like them. It's because we come out as the person we want to be many times, not the person that we actually are, especially with spiritual gifts tests. If you were to take a spiritual gifts test and give it to everybody in line at American Idol, everyone would believe they're supposed to be a worship pastor. And that's not true. We all know that. Like if you take it in front of people, a lot of times we do that. And so the best way to find out where you're gifted spiritually, yes, you can take the test, but then go and serve. Go and serve anywhere. Go and serve. And and people will come alongside and you say, man, you're really good at this. Oh, wow. This is a way that you see this, that I just don't see it. Oh, man, you're, you're doing these things really well. And you find the areas that you are best at. And what we do is through this time, we figure out how we're made. We figure out our personality type, their spiritual gifts. Later on, we're going to talk about our passions. We're going to talk about all these things. And really, it all comes together, even your past. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. So if you don't show up, it's because you're a wimp. Um, But next week, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about how your past is very specific to the gifts God has already given you and what he wants you to do. And really, a lot of our passions are birthed out of our past. And so all of these things work together. It's great when you finally realize none of this is coincidence. God already had this figured out. But this is the, one of the first steps. Figure out where you're gifted. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you uh, for the way that you made everyone in here. God, I thank you that uh, you have gifted all of us. God, I pray that we will go after that. God, I pray that we will seek that out. We will look for it. Um, God, I pray that we won't wait another day. Um, God, I just, I pray that uh, we will be very purposeful in that. And God, if we just have no idea, God, I pray that we'll serve. We'll continue to look. We'll continue to pray. We'll continue to look at the way that you've made us. God, I pray that we won't waste another second. We'll be the hands and feet of what the church is supposed to be. God, I pray this group becomes exactly that. An entire group that shares the responsibility of what it means to be a church. God, we thank you that you've given us that challenge. We thank you that you've allowed us to work alongside you. God, I pray that we take it very, very purposefully. God, I thank you for that. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.